This is Decentralized Radio. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ryan. The goal of this podcast is to help educate you on how to live your most optimal life. We will host industry expert guests to shed light on topics that matter. We are not gurus, rather two individuals who have had to pave their own path to health and vitality, independent of the centralized systems that plague modern society. Ryan, how's it going? I'm good, man. We are here in Ryan's house recording this podcast for the first time for myself live in yeah. the same room. Same for me. I've never done this before. That's so, why it's been a kerfluffle. Yeah. So this is quite interesting. If we talk over each other, definitely we're going to work on this. But yeah, we're excited to have a live setup, do more in-person podcasts. There's some cool folks in you know our area in the Mountain West that we'd like to interview. But today... We're going to focus on shedding some light on Ryan's backstory, as well as setting the scene for you know what decentralized health truly means at a high level. Yeah, so, Ryan, uh, where do we where do we start here? How did you get to where you are right now? You know, it's been it's been a long and winding road, um, sort of like the Beatles song, but it sort of starts for me back when I was in high school, and I had. Moved to Utah when I was uh, 14 years old, and it was a huge culture shock for me, um, pretty much being from anywhere else. If you move to Utah, there's a huge like religious culture that's a little bit different than anywhere else in the world. Um, and so for me, it was difficult to sort of blend in and build friendships that I had solidified before. And I was just entering high school, so it was sort of like that pivotal time period in my life. And I just, this is where I think for me, the beginning of my chronic stress load really began. I was pretty carefree free growing up, um, but I was just stressed out like from here on out for years. And that kind of brought me to where I am today. But when I was graduating high school, went through this huge blow up breakup with my girlfriend. And I just decided I needed to reset, take control of my life. So the one thing I knew I could control was my health and my fitness. And so I decided I'm going to start going to the gym. I'm going to start eating right. Um, granted, all this time, I was already like a fairly healthy kid. I wasn't like overweight, underweight. I was pretty good. Um, not rocking a six pack or like killer pecs or the crimson chin. But, you know, I was doing pretty good. I was healthy uh, by standard American terms. Um, but I kind of took this health thing to like a whole other uh, extreme. And I actually ended up developing uh, anorexia nervosa which is a mental health condition, which I'm sure all of you have heard of at some point, whether it's like the Karen Carpenter story, which I heard about when I was in health class in 10th grade. And I thought, wow, that's crazy. Why would you ever have anorexia? That doesn't make any sense. Um, but so for me, that's, that was sort of like the, that was really just, just the beginning for me. So fast forward to keep it short, I quote, overcome anorexia in the eyes of doctors. And this is sort of where I discovered how flawed our medical system was, was because once I regained weight after I'd lost about 40 pounds from uh, where I started, they basically told me my anorexia was gone. And while I may have looked normally outside, I was still continuing to have pretty poor health behaviors of restriction and overexercise. And so where all this is leading is in 2019, when I'm 23 years old, I started developing autoimmune neuropathy. And I link it to many, many years of chronic stress load, both physical and mental, just compounding. Like I had terrible sleep. I was in horrible, like light environments. I mean, I worked inside all day and I was super depressed when I, I was living in LA at the time. And I, I just had no friends. I wasn't going out, had no social connections. Um, my one social connection was my call that I would call my mom every day when I got home from work for like half an hour tuck her ear off. And then I started getting these autoimmune problems. And so I'm back in the medical system, trying to figure it out, looking for answers. I'm super ruthless about it. I was like, I'm going to get through this. And I, I did link it immediately to my behaviors that I was still engaging in that were sort of eating disorder behaviors of restriction over exercise. And so I fixed those. I started cutting back on the exercise. I started eating like a crap ton of everything because I had learned through my recovery that in order to recover from anorexia truly, you have to eat all foods, all the junk, all the pizza, all the processed foods, because that's normal. But what I didn't know is that while there is a validity to not fearing 
foods. Like they're not like you shouldn't fear that it's going to like kill you instantly when you touch pizza. It was actually fueling the very brain inflammation that I had been fighting for so many years prior, all the way back to when I moved to Utah and started this cycle. I mean, I, I mean, like many of us, I ate tons of crap growing up. Like I would get home, plow through a Skittles bag, like nothing. I drink Mountain Dew till my pee burned. And that's when I knew I had to drink water. Um, we were the cool house because we would allow friends that wouldn't be allowed to drink soda and stuff. My parents would just let them have whatever. And it was great. Um, but it wasn't suiting me very well. So now I was in this position of battling this mental disorder of which the only way to recover is to eat all these foods. But by eating these foods, I was also kind of perpetuating my autoimmune illness at the same time. And so that's what led me down the rabbit hole of functional medicine was basically the failure of, of my doctors to even point me in any direction. I literally saw, I flew in January of 2021 or 2020. I flew to Boston, Massachusetts to see the top experts in autoimmune small fiber neuropathy at Boston Mass, which is a huge, super credible hospital. And I got there and they instantly questioned my diagnosis already, wanted me to retest by coming back in a month, spending thousands of more dollars to travel, stay in an Airbnb and see them. They wanted to retest me. And that would basically only then give me a name because they couldn't even treat me because I didn't live in that state. So I would have to like move there even to get treatment. And so for me, it was a total flop. And I never even told my friend who helped, he helped fly me out there. He helped you know, pay for some of this to get me out there. I never told him a lot of this because I didn't want him to feel like it was worthless when it actually was. And so after this, this is where I started doing tons of research. And I found people like Dr. Terry Walls, who uh, helped, I mean, she basically devised a certain diet to help her overcome her multiple sclerosis MS. Uh, and so I started doing her diet. And then this just led me down more and more rabbit holes of, of like plant anti-nutrients and like carnivore diets and animal-based diets and, and like all these other people like Jack Cruz and, and Ryan Carter and all these people that hopefully we'll get on the podcast soonish hint. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. But, um, that led me down here and that led me to people like you and this whole other view of what health really is. And what I learned is that 99.99% of all people in Western civilization, at least in the United States, a little different in Europe. But they walk around not feeling or, or thinking that they well, basically perpetuating the very diseases that they live with, whether it's like hypertension or diabetes and all these things that I feel like we're told are out of our control. Um, and we just live these extremely backwards lives to how we're physically designed to live. And so now I'm like sitting out in the sun in February with like almost all my clothes off, catching the sun. And uh, all my neighbors are staring at me. I got these weird red light things that you can see through my door. It looks like I'm having like a weird, weird rave in my bedroom every night or every morning. And it's a, it's a really strange place to be. But it's also been like decentralizing my health has, has been like the most enlightening experience I've ever had. And it actually makes me thankful for all the hardship that I went through. And I just breezed through this. I could have talked like way in depth about some of the stuff that went on calling the suicide hotline, like all this other stuff that I went through. By the way, don't call them. Sometimes <laughs> they don't help. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> yeah, no, maybe we should unpack like a little bit. I mean, it seemed like what's interesting is you said you were trying to get into like health and fitness and nutrition, and then that path led you down to anorexia. Like how did that occur? Was it just like you went just you just became too restrictive in, in your lifestyle and your mindset or how did that happen? Yeah. So for me in particular, the reason I developed anorexia actually stemmed from like a bunch of different just emotional traumas. But for me, I sort of just got into diet culture or what like the mainstream would call diet culture. And I, what I wanted to do was, I, it sounds really counterintuitive. I wanted to bulk and get bigger. In fact, I'm still trying to do this and I still like catch myself in the same mental roadblock sometimes, but I was trying to bulk, but 
I was so scared of getting fat from bulking because everything I had researched was like bodybuilding style diet. So it was like, oh, you got to get kind of fat and then you cut it or whatever. That idea scared me so much that I was like, okay, I'll do a little cut first and then I'll do a lean bulk was my idea. Now, at the time, just for reference, I was 120 pounds, five foot nine. I didn't need to do a cut. Definitely not. But I did a cut to 88 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't even know how bad it was until one time, I think I just got out of the shower and I was walking out with just like no shirt on, had pants or whatever. And my dad saw me. Um, and he basically freaked out. No one in my family even knew how bad this stuff was going on, which to me sounds, sounds crazy because it's like super obvious that I'm massively underweight just by like my bone structure and my face all sunken in and stuff. But I feel like it happens so gradually that to other people around you and even yourself, you don't even notice. And I didn't really notice till one day I was in college at the time and we were doing a film scene for a digital media class I was in and I had to jump off a one foot ledge into camera frame and I jumped off the ledge and I was so underweight and so weak that the one foot fall caused my entire body to collapse. I couldn't actually like catch myself jumping one foot off a ledge. My I'm surprised I actually didn't break a bone because my bone density was probably terrible. Um, but that that's when I knew like, Oh, this is actually bad and I need to fix it. And then came the whole struggle of, how do I fix it the right way? And that's where I have to give credit to standard of care because their whole like thing is how can we get someone to gain weight as fast as possible? You put them in a room and you feed them sugar and stuff all day long and they get pretty, like they, they plump up pretty quick. Um, what that doesn't do though is help them with the mental challenge once they kick you out because that's where the entire side of like the eating disorder space lacks is like the the mental care after it and what they don't realize is that by feeding them ultra processed foods to fatten them up like we do cattle not that it's ultra processed but like corn and stuff like that like things all fatten things up that that actually will perpetuate the same inflammation that i think helps cause the disorder at least for me in the first place so yeah i mean it's not doing anything for your metabolic health that's beneficial but that's really interesting. And that's kind of why I asked that was because I figured it was some sort of diet culture thing that really was a struggle. And yeah, it is crazy. I think people underestimate, you know, the fitness bodybuilding community is really, it can be beneficial, but it can also be like super toxic at the same time. It's very like image based, you know, what you see is really not what's happening. Like in reality, Mm -hmm. you just see like the best of the best. You see, you know, these crazy transformation pictures, you know, and, and people think that you need to, you know, bulk and actually get fat in order to put on muscle. Um, and then you just cut it by, you know, kind of starving yourself. So there's a lot of toxic kind of just emotion and, and habits in that space. And some people, you know, it works for them, but it doesn't really, I hate how it gets misconstrued as healthy because it's not, No, it's fitness and body bodybuilding. is probably the most unhealthy thing you could do for your body. First off, no one, it's not healthy to be walking around with that much muscle mass. Like hmm. we're never designed to do that. I mean, it's just causing so much more stress on all, you know, your major organs, you know, the caloric needs become so high. You're basically just running your body on, on full throttle, like all day, every day. And, you know, you respect them because strength training is extremely healthy. And, you know, eating a high protein diet is extremely healthy. And you can do bodybuilding or, you know, you can add muscle mass in very healthy ways. And having higher muscle mass is also great for longevity and things. But there's a lot of gray area and gets misconstrued as like, this is the health industry. No, this is bodybuilding or this is the fitness industry for strength training specifically. So that's, you know, not surprising to me whatsoever. I really never subscribed to that, you know, eating chicken, broccoli, rice, like all day. It just always sounded so strange to me. And I think one thing to highlight here is like a logic. 
I'm big on logic tests. Like, does it really make sense? Like, do you really need to eat like such a strict diet and then just be in this regimen that you don't enjoy to be healthy? No, you don't have to do that. It doesn't make any sense. Like you can eat foods that taste really good, work out hard and be in a really good position mentally. Cause like you're saying, mentally is what was missing from a lot of these things. And I feel like like the gym is an outlet for a lot of people, which is good, but then they're toxic in many other ways, which is a problem. So moving on just because that was like, I, I figured that was the case and I wanted to highlight that you then, you know, had this, uh, you know, these neuropathy issues and really were failed by the traditional medical system. How, you know, how long did it take for you to kind of realize that you were just, you know, you know, a, a cog in the system or it wasn't going to work out for you specifically and you turned your back on them and, you know, what, what was the turning point and was it the trip to Boston or was it the culmination of kind of not finding anything? And why do you think the system in your experience is, is like that? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I think, I think, uh, for me, it was definitely the trip to Boston that like solidified that I'm just done with it. But I sort of like along the way was getting like hints here and there that like this probably wasn't going to work out. For a long time, I was just trying to get a diagnosis, like a name to blame my stuff on. And I find that that's like a systemic thing in chronic illness, like society that we're always trying to find like a name to blame for our problems. So that at least even if we can't do anything about it, we have this name of whatever that now we can define ourselves by this name. And so um, I realized after Boston that I was actually doing that. And that I was just trying to find a name to identify with, just like I was trying to identify at one point with my anorexia of, oh, I'm the victim with anorexia. And this is why I can never heal because you're stuck in the victim mindset and there's no, you actually become addicted to sort of being depressed um, and, and having to fight. Like you become addicted to the fight and then you're like, if I beat it, then what do I do? Because I don't have anything to fight anymore. Um, it's a really weird, like sort of psychological state of mind, but I was doing the same thing with now my, my like kind of physical ailment. And so along the way I had like, until I got actually diagnosed with small fiber neuropathy, I thought I had everything. I was super hypochondriac about it. I thought I had MS. That's actually how I, I found Terry Walls. And I would sort of bring up these names that were in the functional space as I was learning to my doctors that I was meeting with. And I noticed how quickly they were to dismiss them. And it really puzzled me because I knew that none of them had helped someone as much as these people had helped themselves heal. Like no one ever got an immune suppressant and healed as much as Terry Walls did with her MS. And so it really puzzled me how close-minded these doctors were. And I was someone that growing up never had many medical problems, never broke a bone. Like the most I had been to the doctor was like, to get my wisdom teeth out maybe was like the most intensive, like up until that point, sort of surgical procedure I've ever had. I've gone in for like maybe an infection here and there, uh, got an antibiotic or whatever. So I, I, I had this huge trust in them because I never had to rely on them. And what I discovered is anyone that ends up like having to rely on them almost immediately gets set up for failure, almost no matter what you have. Even if you think you've been served, if they've just passed you like a drug, that's only doing a Band-Aid's level of work for whatever you have. Most of the time, like 90% of probably like chronic disease that we have, like heart disease and diabetes and stuff. And so by the time I went to Boston and I felt like I'd wasted my time and like a thousand bucks to like fly out there and do all this stuff, um, I was just kind of done and I knew I was going to find a different path. And that's when I started going functional medicine route. I actually met with a Cairo functional guy close to where I live now. And that was sort of like my entry level to this. And he wasn't great, but he was like a step in the right direction. I think there's a lot of things even within the functional space that is kind of messed up and like money hungry, like prescribing all these weird supplements that it's like, do you really need to take 30 supplements to like live optimally? Probably not. Or even heal. Like I don't even like, there's no way I could tell that any of the things that they gave me were actually helping because I had so many factors 
like you couldn't narrow anything down. So that's like the problem I found with it. And so as, as we kind of talked about in your last, in the last episode with your, your journey is you actually like have heavily simplified what you do for your life. And I feel like that's what everyone that goes through this evolution eventually does. But it took me another two years to where I am now to like finally get to that point. Yeah. I mean, health can be pretty simple and it should be like your body, the earth provides like so many things and, you know, has the ability to be in an optimal state, like with less inputs than what's truly needed. So yeah, you said a lot of great things there. I think accountability is huge. I mean, that's the reason why I feel like so many people just walk around and they want to feel like the victim or it's someone else's fault. And then if it's someone else's fault, it's someone else's responsibility to fix that issue too. So it's like they outsource the blame, but they also then want to outsource the accountability for solving that problem. And that's where, you know, the experts come in, the traditional systems come in. And then in reality, you're just a number, you know, there's millions and millions of people that are trying to be a part of this traditional healthcare system and need healing. You know, how much time do they really have to look into your specific case, look at all the factors you know, your diet, your blood work, your environment you're living in. I mean, no one looks at that granular of a level in the traditional medical system. So they're just going to try and give you that cookie cutter approach, which is what you're saying earlier, attach a name to something, uh, what you're feeling. So at least there's, oh, there's an outcome. You have this, you could probably take X medicine because it's just that's scalable. That's the cookie cutter approach. And that's what the system's set up to do because it's not, you know, set up to treat root cause. Nobody has time to look into all this complexity that's going on. They have, you know, just symptomatic treatments. So, but it almost that mindset starts at the, you know, the individual level who is sick because that's the whole point of, you know, decentralization and what we stand for is you need to take that accountability, that responsibility on your own. And then you will know your body better than anyone else and you'll be responsible. And if things aren't working out, you'll have that mindset to change it for the better instead of outsourcing your health to someone who barely even knows who you are. Yeah. And I actually think the biggest thing I learned from my journey through the specialties of medicine, because I like, I was seeing like a, like a, I saw every type of doctor because I was just like, check my whole body out. I just want to see like where everything's working. I got like a, I got an endoscopy and a colonoscopy at the same time just to like, I was just like, just check it. Like, just see what's going on. I saw like a heart doctor, like a cardiologist, just be like, just check it. Like a whole, like year and a half ago, just to just see what's going on. And what I learned is that because the way we have medicine set up, it's so specialized and there's so, there's a lack of like communication between departments almost always. Um, that it's like, it's built to sell you more medicine, like with these different parts. And no one's like connecting the dots that actually maybe every problem you have is the same thing. Like maybe the fact that my, like I had low thyroid too. So like maybe my low thyroid, my neuropathy and like my bone issues and stuff, maybe they're all the same thing. They're like the, the root of the same problem. But modern medicine doesn't look at it that way because we're not, I mean, the doctors aren't like who go into a specialty. They're not taught to like a cardiologist doesn't know how to check your nervous system or something. But like if you go to a neurologist and they check your nervous system, they don't know how to like check your heart. Yeah, it's it's become like so specialized. And that's where it's like the term like holistic healthcare or holistic, you know, medicine, holistic, you know, food raising. That just means like the whole, that just means looking at it at the whole system level. So yeah, I mean, we're super complex beings, but everything is connected. Everything in our environment, everything you put in your body, you know, your vitals, they all work synergistically. So if something is wrong, it's obviously has to be connected because it's all part of you as a being. And that name, I feel like has become like so tarnished because it's like, oh, holistic. That's like woo woo. It means just looking at the whole system. Like, what do you mean? It's woo woo. It means just zooming out. And really, when you zoom out and realize that you can actually make changes at a higher level 
and probably improve the whole system that you're within. And whether that be from a health perspective or like a farming perspective, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. I mean, like, you know, there's people who only grow corn and soy. And it's like you talk about holistic management. It's like thinking about the soil, the grass, the animals, the plants. It's everything that's involved in a system. It's, uh, you know, it's it's an open loop system. And you need to understand that everything is connected. And I think that's also, yeah, I mean, that's a cornerstone of decentralized mindset and how to really optimize your life. Yeah. So let's kind of transition into some of that, um, like we decentralized mindset, decentralized medicine, all that stuff. Because what I found is that within functional medicine or within the space, there is still a massive issue of whether it be dogma, like some, but also the functional system, which I felt was like brought up to fight like the, the current like traditional system in its own way has the same pitfalls with different names. So like I was mentioning earlier, like subscribing or prescribing me all these supplements and stuff, um, which may or may not do something or who knows, like, I don't know. Um, but also a lot of people like to know, I mean, I I'm all for making money and all that stuff, but like, I feel like a lot of people online, online guru influencers types are like trying to sell books, trying to sell, courses and it removes um a level of intimacy with like an individual's health when you get on that high a level so like when you've gained that much influence um when you've gotten really huge i feel like you lose something when you work with like an individual and so then you sort of start to cherry pick your ideology to make things fit for your whatever you're trying to sell even if like the base message is still good i feel like it kind of gives a tarnish to the like the quote community and also just um it doesn't help anybody when you when you sort of like you're putting people in in blocks again yeah to like sell a a course or something and that's where decentralization comes in because it's like inherently nothing should be scalable vertically to the degree that it is in our society today it just at a certain size you're always compromising quality it doesn't matter what you are because you're going to have to outsource if you are the core of that business, if that's health coaching, if that's being a functional medical practitioner, if that's being a medical doctor, if it's, you know, you're starting a business, if you grow past a certain point, you have to outsource some work to something else, whether that be other people that you're hiring, whether it be, you know, you're just trying to make courses for people, I mean, how you know they can be helpful. Like you can make guides, you can make cookbooks, you can make workout books, but that's not like that's not customized to the individual. So you're not really getting the quality of care or you know coaching or food or whatever it is that you really need. So that's like what decentralization is all about. So if you do want to find someone, they probably will cost more money because the cost of everything is so artificially low in some regards because it's been scaled in the centralized system vertically um, in some industries. In some industries, you know, it's, it's, it's both. It's costly and scaled to a large degree, like the healthcare system. But like you're saying, they're just trying to put you in a cookie-cutter approach because then they have a solution for you. They don't really know what's going on. So that's the mindset that you need to take. And it's like, you have to take that accountability and responsibility because you need to be able to poke holes in whoever you're paying to help you out or else, you know, you're just going to be put in a, you know, a group or a bucket. Yeah. I think too, what I learned is like, and this is part of like decentralizing your mindset a little bit is we, everyone is looking for someone to tell them what to do. And I feel like part of what everyone will have to go through, especially if you're like trying to overcome something as complex as a, like a complex chronic illness is like, to some degree, you'll have to do your own sleuthing. Like everyone will have, like, I've never met anyone that got better that didn't do it to even like even a large degree, even working with someone super fantastic. That's like really worth the money and you get a ton of benefit. You need to like, you can't just sit down with them and have them just spoon feed you like you have to you have to almost like lead them 
I mean, it's your body. Like, yeah. how are they going to know how you're feeling? It's impossible. Like, yeah. how is anybody going to know how your body is functioning? But it's hard because it's hard because we grew up with the idea of the doctor giving us the answer. And so that's like where our mindset just mm-hmm. starts is like, I'm going to talk to this guy because he has this specialty, even if it's in functional medicine, right? And they're going to give me the pill or the routine that'll fix me. And I think all these things like, like read all the books and read all the things. And then it's like, it's up to you then to find out which things, what elements like work in your favor for your case. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's okay to outsource like recommendations to an expert. Like if you want someone to build your home, you're not going to, you don't know how to do it. You're going to go to someone who knows how to build a home. But you're going to tell them exactly what you want, how you feel about certain things, you know, what you're willing to compromise on, you know, in price to quality or stuff like that, because you're giving them a large amount of information and then they're providing expertise in feedback. And then maybe you'll see it or you'll see the mock up or something and you'll be like, ah, I don't like this or no. But in like health or health coaching, it's the same thing. Like you're providing them all this feedback in terms of how you're feeling, what are your symptoms, you know, are things working, are they not working? And also just the mindset of, hey, this is like a relationship that's two ways. It's not like you give me all the answers and then I feel better. How is yeah. that's not even possible? It is it's interesting though, just because like I worked with so many, so many different practitioners I spent. And it, it was all in the end, I learned something from every one of them, some more than others. But I've dropped like tens of thousands of dollars, like trying to work with people. And I made that very mistake of like going in and just being like, we'll do all the blood work. And then you just tell me what to do, which is good. But I just, I've never, I never got all the way without kind of having to put pieces together on my own anyways. So yeah, because it, it is complex. And especially when you're healing from something like pretty substantial, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about health being simple. Yeah, like the core foundations of health are simple. And then, and inherently, most people can feel a lot better by just changing the core principles because they're in such a shit routine in the first place. But if you really want to dial it in or you're already doing a lot of good things and you're still not making the progress you want, like you have to get pretty detailed and granular for, you know, very specific conditions that if you want to get to the most optimal state. So that's where I don't want to get confused with like, you know, health is super complex. Like it is, I mean, biology, our bodily functions, they're all very complex. The foundations are quite simple and most people are not even doing that. But if you really have conditions that you need to heal from that are, you know, pretty substantial in terms of how they're affecting your day to day, then, you know, you need to pr- probably dial it in with, with a coach who is customizing their work with you. At the same time, I do think like we talked about in the last, in the last episode with you and, and sort of like your main principles that you follow. Um, I do think like the basics can't be like overstated enough because I think a lot of people think they're doing the basics when they're really not doing any of them and they're trying to over supplement those basics with complex things like complex su- supplement combinations yeah, yeah. and all these biohacks and they don't even have the beginning done. And I know that because I did the same thing. Yeah. Well, it's because that's simple to them in the idea that if they take something, it will be better. Like, you know, you just take the supplement. Oh, okay. I got my, you know, daily need for vitamin, whatever, and a pill form, but, and that's simple. Like they can just do that. That's easy. But in reality, it doesn't work like that. And, you know, they need to have a consistently clean, healthy diet instead, or, you know, get out in the sun consistently instead Mm -hmm. of just supplementing with vitamin D. It's like these easy way outs. Everyone's always looking for the easy way out. And that's where you get into trouble is because, yeah, a lot of these influencers, a lot of gurus, they kind of just give you the easy way out. And that comes in the form of buying something from them. And mm-hmm. like, that's just the, the nature of, you know, how this industry works for the most part. But the things that are going to move the needle the most um, 
are what you do consistently on a daily basis in terms of your routine. And those will cost little to no money or no delta in money you spend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the the hard part for people is, and, and maybe we can kind of talk about this a little bit, is like, and we did a little bit in the last episode too, is sort of like we hear the fancy lingo, like decentralized health, decentralized currency, like decentralized mindset. Like what do those things mean to you? And as some like an outsider looking in, what is like the first move you make in like moving towards a more decentralized life as a whole? Because I feel like a lot of us just through the nature of living in society um, become adults. And then in some way, shape or form where we feel tethered to the centralization of everything, like our jobs, our, our stressful lives. It's like, um, I mean, I talk to people all the time. I was like, oh yeah, I talk about getting sunrise and sunset a lot, but it's like a lot of people like work in a situation where they never have the opportunity to see those things. So how do they get themselves out of that to pursue like what they may actually be passionate about? You know what I mean? Cause I feel like people like they, they like the idea of it, but it's like, oh, how do I make that practical? for me or if I have a family and all this, all these other complexities. Yeah. I mean, that's why like we want to do this podcast is because we want to educate people on all realms of industries, why they're over centralized, why decentralized is, you know, the solution, but at the foundation, I mean, it comes down to like your mindset um, for sure is like, you need to take that accountability responsibility because if you outsource all these things, you're just compromising quality. Um, you know, if you go to the store and blindly buy food that you think is good for you based on recommendations by these governing bodies, you know, you're going to end up with a higher chance of chronic disease, like most people in this country. Um, you know, if you outsource, you know, your banking or your health coaching or whatever, you're just personal trainer at the gym. I mean, some of these things like work, um, but are they really working in the long term? So it's a mindset of like taking accountability, responsibility. Um, lowering your time preference, start thinking on like, you know, longer time horizons, you know, foregoing short term pleasure, which is like, you know, these foods, highly processed foods, yeah, they taste good in the in the short term, and they're cheaper. But what's the real cost long term? Um, You know, people always freak out They're like grass fed beef or grass fed bison, something like that. Oh, $10 a pound. That's so expensive. That's still less than a dollar an ounce. I mean, how much does like a bag of chips cost? Probably like, you know, 50 cents an ounce or 40 cents an ounce or something like that. That's like, we're almost in the same ballpark for like cost in terms of ounces for high nutrient density food to garbage. And what's the real cost then? It's a no brainer. I mean, eggs, same thing. It's like, oh, it's gone up so much in money. Still one egg is like, what, 50 cents? Mm -hmm. And that's expensive. And it's six grams of protein comes with, you know, choline, all these other important vitamins and neurotransmitters. And it's like, or precursors to neurotransmitters. And it's like, that's the mindset you need to have. You need to start thinking like nutrient per dollar. You need to start thinking, okay, how is this going to set me up in five years from now? And what am I going to do in like the coming months instead of what what am I going to do in the coming days? But at the end of the day, it's, it's a large task because in, Inherently, there's a lot of different things in our life that, you know, we can do that you need to do, you know, health, finance is just one of them or two of them. And then, you know, what about, you know, things to get fixed in your house? Like there's so much information and tasks that we need to do on a daily basis. So I think it's important to like pick and choose your battles. Mm. Um, But the reason why, you know. I wrote the book that I wrote, Bitcoin and Beef, is because health and wealth, I feel like, are two most important things. And if you have those sorted out, you can still outsource some of the you know work that needs to be done, but you could probably get higher quality you know work for that if you're in the right position. And then you still have you know your vitality in order to make good decisions on a daily basis. But what it comes down to, decentralized health, is you know taking accountability you know, realizing that you're setting yourself up for the rest of your life, not just like trying to get on a diet for a wedding in three months or two months. Um, And that's why diets Mm. don't work. 
And it's understanding that you need to look at it at your individual level because no one will know your body better than yourself. There is a lot of great information out there, but you should not tie yourself to any one belief and just understand that there's important information to pull from all of these groups or whatever you want to call them, whether it be a diet or just, you know, health sphere. And um, then vet out whatever professionals that you do want to use. Um, and uh, yeah, see where that takes you. You'll probably be in a lot better place. But at the end, it all comes down to at the individual level. So the goal for us is, you know, to bring on guests to help educate you on these specific topics and then help you be better informed on what battles you can kind of pick and choose. Um, because, yeah, if you work in an office right now, you're providing for a family, you can't watch a sunrise, you know, you're under blue light all day, whatever, like you might not be able to change your situation in the short term. But, you know, can you start doing things now that'll help set you up better for like five years from now or a couple of years from now? So maybe you can switch a job or you can just be in a better position in other aspects of your life. Uh, because, yeah, everybody's situation is different. I can't um, relate to most people to just flip a switch and literally do exactly what I do on a daily basis. It's not realistic. Yeah. I mean, it all goes back to, like you said, mindset. And then I would say like setting priorities. You had a really good tweet um, a long time ago now, but it really stuck out to me because it was like, if you are like, if you're slammed like Monday through Friday, you're working the nine to five and you're just trashed from that then you have to take advantage of your weekends ruthlessly. You got to start like building your side business that you want to build. You just got to start like getting outside in nature and doing those things. Like take advantage of the time you have. It's like the old saying, like if, if you w want to go to the gym, you will find time to go to the gym or work out. Everybody has time. I know pretty much everyone at the end of the night sits down and Netflix is every single night for at least an hour or two. And that's time that either you could be doing something else or sort of learning about these things for yourself. It's all about priorities. It's all about planning. And I even talk about this in a really simple term. If we were talking about weight loss, for instance, planning meals. Like I think, I mean, I grew up in a family that did plan meals. Like we would sit down Sunday, plan dinners through the whole week. But I, I have friends, family, girlfriends, family, that they just wing it every single day and they end up eating just like the worst shit you could be putting in your body every single day. And so I sat down with them. I was like, listen, if I'm going to be around here, we're going to sit down on Sunday. We're going to plan the week out because I'm tired of this fridge being full of shit and having to yeah. fit my raw milk in here is crazy. But, but it all goes back to priorities and planning. And if you want it, like you're going to find a way to do it. And that's like what I discovered about my own, like my own, like my own will and like my ability to get things done is like, even as sick as I was, I was crashing at like 4 PM guys every day. I was like falling asleep, standing up because I had no, my energy was just terrible. Hormones just like all tanked and like all these problems. And I still was able to be motivated to get through. And I think that for everybody is going to be the hardest part initially is like digging deep and having that inner motivation to even attempt one change or go after one goal, no matter what that is, whether it's your health. And I think like three things that I personally like to prioritize are like food, family, and like stress reduction are like my, my, they're like my three pillars. Cause they were the three things that really lacked, um, for me, uh, fitness wasn't one of them. I was really good at the fitness thing. Um, uh, it just destroyed me in the wrong way, but I think you got to decide what is your one thing you're going to prioritize in the free time you have and then build from there. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, you didn't start, like we could talk about things you're doing now, maybe like in a, in a future episode and stuff or round it out with this, but you didn't get to like cooking tons of bone broth and like writing books and all this stuff like overnight. Like you had to build on these things. Yeah. It's all about milestones. I mean, like just, you have to set realistic, achievable goals, but you, that's why you need to think about like long-term, like long-term, where do you want to be in five years? Because then if you know that you can figure out where you need to be in one year. And if you know that you can figure out where you need to be in six months 
and then in one month. So where do you need to start tomorrow to get to where you need to be in five years? That's how you have to think about it. Because you can't just be like, oh, I want to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm just going to change. Your it's never going to work. You need to be realistic with yourself. I mean, some people can flip the switch better than others. Mm -hmm. And some people, it works out. I mean, like, like, you need to find what are your weak points that you can attack. And some you just might not be able to fix for like one to two years or, uh, you know, there's something needs to change in order for you to be more flexible um, to have, you know, a better lifestyle habit. But here's my question is like, I feel like a lot of people who are going to listen to this podcast are probably on the same page or like close to the same page as us. How do we convince people that are not in this mindset or this space already that this matters? Because that's my biggest, like, I just, you know, we both had like pretty substantial health situations that we had to overcome. And why did we overcome them? Because we were pretty stubborn about it. And we were like, this is not acceptable. We realized that we had to go do it ourselves. And we took that responsibility and are still learning and are, but feeling much better. Most people are still playing the victim or they're just going through the motions where they don't realize how much worse off they are than 10, five years ago, because it's happened in this slow progression. Whereas like for me and you, like it kind of culminated like all at once mm -hmm. or like pretty quickly to where it was really noticeable. So how do we convince more people that this matters? I mean, to an extent, you have to hit some sort of obstacle, I think, to have something click. But at the same time, I've tried to change people, like with all these great ideas. Like I talk about it all the time around them, it annoys everyone to death. But I've just discovered like the only way you can really bring people around is by showing them like how good it could be and sort of like leading by example, but not being pushy about it even though it kind of sucks because you know, it takes longer to get them to have that evolution of thought. It's in my experience, that's the only way I've gotten people to realize things or just like you, you need to have conversations with them too and like meet them where they're at, connect with them on their level. Right. And then sort of like sprinkle in your, like some of your ideas and, and quote solutions or whatever in a less overbearing way. But some people are just so close-minded. It's like when you're really in the depths of an eating disorder, it didn't matter who told me like how many times I was going to die. Like It didn't hit me until I had to jump off that ledge and I collapsed. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's really bad. Like To an extent, like they have to realize it for themselves and realize it's bad. And to some extent, there will always be people that'll have their eyes closed the entire time. And you just have to be okay with that and realize like, you can only do so much for everyone around you and that I'm, I was very much a like assisting other people type of person all the time. And it took so much out of me that I had to kind of take some back and really focus on the people I knew I could help. So it's finding those people specifically, but it's also about spreading the message out there. And that's what I think that's what this is about is like getting more voice to what's really important with health and vitality. And it's none of the bullshit that you see on TV or almost all the stuff you see at the store. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think this like solution, this answer to this question will evolve like, oh, yeah. over the course of this podcast. And that's kind of the goal is to help, you know, answer this because, yeah, we don't want to just focus on health. We don't just want to focus on, you know, finance and Bitcoin because one of the most beautiful things I've seen over the past year is like, the kind of convergence of, you know, these spaces, because it's really a lot of people have this similar mindset in one field, like, mm -hmm. you know, they're anti-government, you know, they, you know, they're ranchers, but they don't know anything about Bitcoin. They actually don't even know anything about health, like their health is suffering, but they raise like great food or, you know, they want to be a part of the system that's raising food. They understand the value in that. Or there's people who are like super into Bitcoin, for example, and, you know, they're still doing everything else in the fiat mindset. So it's what I think is it's a lack of education in all realms of the mindset. Um, and then, yeah, you know, 
some people are just always going to be attached to the system and convenience until they hit a breaking point or something traumatic happens in their life. But I think what we really want to try to achieve with this podcast is bring on people from all different realms of, you know, living a more optimal life. I mean, it could be like off the grid living or homesteading, homeschooling, child birthing. Like these are all things that are kind of like decentralized by nature because you're the one taking control and you're the one taking accountability. And then how does that tie into everything else we're talking about? Because yeah, I've, I've learned so much the past year and a half and I've seen you know, this convergence of groups and communities. And I really like it. And I want to keep pushing that forward because the more momentum we have when all these communities kind of come mm -hmm. together, then we'll start to see more change at a societal level. Because like we're already seeing some change, like for example, you know, healthier foods with cleaner ingredients are getting more popular, more common to see at the grocery store. Why is that? Well, it's because like, a bunch of people started talking about it on the internet and then a bunch of people started watching their videos and they're like, yeah, well, why the hell would I want to have preservatives and seed oils that are mm -hmm. used for motor oil? Like in my food, like this is bullshit. Like we should demand change. And how do you demand change um, with purchasing power at the consumer level? So yep. if enough people get on board, we can actually improve society. But first, let's roll it back into understanding how you can be more empowered as an individual. Yep. And that's the point is because at the end of the day, it's like the the, the community that's going to change things, but it's about empowering individuals to become part of that community and letting them know that they actually do have power. Because I feel like we walk around feeling like we don't have control over our lives. And that's just how it is when it's completely not true. So I really look forward to like diving into more of that with you. Yeah, uh, 100%. And I mean, really, it's like, you need to be at the point where like, you don't need the system, the system needs you, and then things will start to change for mm -hmm. the better. But, you know, there's always going to be compromise made there. So let's see where it takes us. I'm excited. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Decentralized Radio. Talk to you next time.